Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast for episode number 166. With Chris Gargano, who's now in his sixth year with the New York Jets as Vice President, Executive Producer, where he oversees Jets 360, which is responsible for all Jets-produced content, including video production, social media, and editorial, with a goal of providing football fans an all-access pass to unique, engaging, quality content over a variety of platforms. Chris also just started his fourth year teaching leadership at NYU, which is what led him to this podcast. I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and educator from Toronto, Canada, now in Arizona. And like many of you listening, I've been fascinated with learning and understanding the science behind high performance strategies that we can use to improve our own productivity in our schools, our sports, and workplace environments. My vision is to bring the experts to you, share their books, resources, and ideas to help you to implement their proven strategies, whether you're a teacher working in the classroom, a student, or in the corporate space. I first met Chris Gargano just a couple of weeks ago when we connected on LinkedIn, and his background immediately caught my attention, aside from the fact he works for the New York Jets. I'll let Chris tell you his story with the hopes it will inspire you to reach new heights. And I can tell you that from someone who has led some of the best teams behind the teams, he'll empower you to take a closer look at how he sees top performers reach those high ranks. And it all begins with the topic of leadership. Let's meet Chris Gargano and see if we can leverage his life story to push us all closer to where we're all going. Welcome, Chris Gargano. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy season that I know has just begun. And I know there's never a slow time with your work. So thank you so much for being here today, Chris. My pleasure, Andrea. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, absolutely. Chris, before I get to the questions I have for you, I mentioned in the show notes that you run Jets 360 over there and you're responsible for all Jets related content. And for someone over here who produces content without a production team like you have over there, I wonder if you can give any tips for what you do to catch people's attention with the graphics, the videos, the content that you create over there for your fans. Well, like you said, I'm very fortunate to have a great team here that produces this content, shoots video, hosts podcasts, writes great stories. Um, we're very fortunate to be working with one another. I got to say that off the top. But to answer your questions, Andrea, it's just great storytelling, whether it's short form, medium, digital properties, whatever the case may be, long form docuseries, to the extent you can with the um, resources that you have, just try to capture the attention by telling great stories. Always default to that, right? Mm. If you're in-depth and you're well-researched and you're, you're coming with creativity each and every day, you can't go wrong. I'm making something that's very difficult sound very simple, but as you know, as a content producer, if you go in with that mindset, you know that, hey, I'm gonna have, this is going to be a well-researched piece of content. I'm going to edit it. I'm going to try to grab the attention by stylized editing 
or, um, you know, big audio off the top or incorporating music, whatever that is that you do really well, just have confidence, develop a style and roll with it. Well, that's helpful. It's really helpful. And just to keep moving here, I was sorry to see the results of your game on Sunday, but I know that mindset is a huge part of the game here. And I know you're going to give us some new ways of looking at life and how you deal with wins and losses through the lens of someone behind the scenes of those top performers that you get to work with every day. So I'm really looking forward to learning from your experience, Chris. No, and I'm very humble that you phrase it that way. I don't know if I'm going to say anything that's new, but I'm just, you know, thankful um, that you you said that in that we're all in this together, in that we're all dealing with adversity. And you're right, you know, about dealing with adversity and the wins and loss situation that I'm in in professional sports and others that do what I do for a living. On Monday morning, you have to be resilient. You have to come in here and focus on your job. Yes, there is an emotional connection with the football team in my sense, right? Um, and there's an emotional connection with those that are on the football team and in and around the business offices that we're in. And I would be lying to say that it doesn't hurt when we lose. It does. And it hurts my coworkers on the football side. But we have to keep going. We have to find a way to do our job to the best of our ability each hour of every day and focus on our priorities to keep this moving in a positive direction. And I know that's how our football side is focusing on it and the businesses as well. It's, you know, we look at each other. All right, this, this stung. Let's have a little bit of a decompression here. All right, let's move on and get to what we have to, which is producing the best content that we can on the New York Jets. Oh, there's so much behind the scenes that we don't get to see that you see. And, you know, thank you so much for sharing this vision. And I just want to go back to like years before you had this opportunity to work with these pro teams. Can you take us back to where your vision for your career began? Maybe a student in the classroom before your college days and before you had this opportunity to do broadcasting with the Jets and you've worked with top teams like the Oakland Raiders and San Francisco Giants. Were there any defining moments that you can recall where you thought, aha, this is what I meant to do? Yes. And I, I grew up north of the in the San Francisco Bay Area, a little bit north of it. So I was fortunate to be around a bunch of pro teams, you know, the Raiders, the A's. And being honest, I was a San Francisco Giant and a San Francisco 49er fan. My father was, my grandfather was. So immediately I was introduced to those teams. And I absolutely loved them. And I was fortunate to watch a lot of winning and losing in those years by both those franchises. But it wasn't just that. It was the love my dad had and my grandfather and sharing that with them and my mom and sister and everybody. We all like those teams. And I remember, Andrea, having a, a wonderful love of throwing around a Nerf football and playing baseball. And I absolutely loved football and baseball. But I had a simultaneous love broadcasting. I loved watching the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. I loved Madden and Summerall. I, I enjoyed watching Monday Night Baseball with Keith Jackson. I mean, I soaked it all in. I, I was just a consumer of, as a little tiny guy, uh, a consumer of baseball and football continuously. And then my love of playing those games. So I knew that I either wanted to be a pro baseball player or a professional broadcaster. And I tried to forward both of those, those dreams. And I never played pro baseball, so I was able to do the other one. So I'm a happy person in that regard. 
Well, I fully believe that we're meant to do what we're supposed to be doing, that we never miss the boat, right? That the opportunities are always going to present themselves for us, and we just have to be aware of what our talents and skills are, and then it will appear and we'll know, ah, this is what I was meant to do. Is that how it happened for you? Yes. I had a deep love of the of baseball to play it and then of broadcasting to try to get into that field as well. So I used to interview family members and friends with a little tape recorder. I used to create little radio shows where I was the announcer, the commercial, the jingle and the um, the guest. So I would try. I just created all this stuff as a little kid. Uh, and I remember listening to comics when I was little and how they delivered um, various monologues, and I would watch The Tonight Show. I just was always watching how people did the craft. And then simultaneously on the field, watching the third baseman, because that's the position I played, how Mike Schmidt, George Brett, all these great Hall of Famers, how they conducted themselves and how they swung. And I read The Art of Hitting, you know, and I just was consumed in both avenues, but pure love of both and um, tried to take them as far as I could. Oh, I love it. I love hearing success stories like that. But uh, what happened to your vision or dream in your college years? So you had a vision of playing. Did you have an injury or something like what made you not be a player and go to the broadcasting side? So, yes, I, I walked on in college in baseball. So I played for a couple of years, wasn't good enough, stopped playing. But yes, I had the first day of tryouts on the, as part of that walk on process. I broke my foot fielding a ground ball to my right and I just twisted it. And the anyway, I'm giving too many details. Here. I don't want to gross people out, but it was an injury that I came back from and was able to play more in the fall and then in the spring. And then the next year I broke another foot and had to have surgery, the other one. And so I was kind of taking in the messaging that, hey, maybe you're not meant to do this. Not only was I getting injured, but I just wasn't good enough. Let's just be honest. I loved the journey to get there. But then the realization that I wasn't good enough to keep up with my teammates and such, and it was fine. And then the next day I turned to the college radio station and writing for the newspaper. So it was all good. I loved the experience and getting hurt is not an excuse. It's, it's, it's part of the journey. But the reality was I wasn't good enough, whether I was injury free or not. Well, there's so much behind the broadcasting when you're speaking about the plays, you have to kind of been a player yourself. Don't you think that that experience brings to light someone watching like me that was not a player to be engaged? Would you think that that came into the whole play? Sure. No. And that's a good question. You know, yes, by playing baseball those years and a little bit of football, Growing up, of course, sure, it, it helps my in my love of the game. But I'm also on the other side. I'm a firm believer, even if you didn't play, if you study the game and immerse yourself in the nuances and listen and talk to coaches and players, I believe that you could be a successful broadcaster, journalist, writer, whatever the case may be. I don't think you have to play to be good in this medium. Um, but, you know, of course, it's an advantage if you go through college and into the pros and then come out and broadcast. But it's also the ability to communicate. Right. It's you know, you could be a great player and played everything, three sports. But if you can't communicate what it is that you need to to the fan base to have them understand and take them step by step by analyzing a play or or play by play, then it's lost. So I am a firm believer if someone wants to do this and wants to study 
that anybody can do it and do it to a high level if they're committed to the craft. Oh, that's a really good angle. And when I when I first met you and we connected on LinkedIn, what caught my attention about your LinkedIn profile is about the fact that you mentioned that you went back to school in the middle of your career to get your master's in leadership studies. What happened there? So that this is a consistent theme here. It's all about getting better and working hard. Mm. I, I wanted to get better. I wanted to get a, a, a bigger vocabulary with leadership. I wanted to understand how to be more self-aware, how to, to study better, how to just engage with people at a higher level. I just wanted to get better. And I went into a program and got the master's in leadership studies at my alma mater, St. Mary's College. And it was the greatest experience of my life. It was fantastic. Second to marrying my wife. It was the, an unbelievable experience in that it activated my mind and opened this, this portal of like hunger to just continue to learn, learn, learn. I've always been a learner and a hard worker, but those professors and that time in my life and listening to the way that they crafted our ability to learn was invaluable. And since that moment, since then, I have just been a consumer and hungry for continuous learning and anything that I could get to help people, help people learn about leadership, help people learn about themselves while simultaneously doing the same thing for myself so I can better them. And it was just a gift. It was honestly a gift. Well, that's really the next question is you found us through your research for your leadership class at NYU and you found our neuroscience of personal change episode that was once our number one most downloaded episode, but it got surpassed. And can you explain what your vision is for your leadership students that you're teaching at NYU and what you liked about that episode that we put out? Sure. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. I was doing research this summer to try to get more material for the students at my class in NYU. And I came across your podcast and I loved it and looked at all the seven habits. And you really made an interesting case about how valuable this is to everybody, not just professionals deep into their career, but anyone can implement this. And so my class, it's designed to focus in the first half of the class on self and self-awareness and how we show up every day and how we are as leaders. What is our leadership promise to ourselves? What is our leadership definition? And then through the evolution of the class in the second half, it's then how we engage with the world, how we engage with other stakeholders and how we refine our leadership going into our next opportunity in life, which as they are graduating seniors, most of them, they need to say, okay, how am I showing up? How am I engaging? What is my influence? And how can I go and make this, you know, maybe something that I e either A, want to keep studying or implement into my career immediately. So I try to make the class very practical and useful. And coming across your podcast was very helpful. And in some way, shape or form, I will weave this into my curriculum this semester. Oh, I love that. I love that because uh, it really helped. It gave me some belief behind what I'm writing. You know, sitting there, I wrote that after one of the Covey or, uh, organization um, founders, Greg Link, made a post about the seven habits and what he was thinking about. So I uh, piggybacked off what he wrote and thought, hey, why don't I add brain science to this? Because it was really short. I thought I got to expand it. And so it really helps when someone finds it interesting, something you just make up. So thanks for that. That, that was uh, a fun takeaway for me on that. 
it's my pleasure. And again, thank you. And I think it's, I, you know, I think it's courageous to go into something so complex and the way you weaved in all the material. And then your, as you said, your own spin on it made it very engaging. And again, thank you. Absolutely. Well, I got to take this next leadership question and ask you one about your head coach, Salah, because I think it ties into your story. And I actually mentioned him this year on episode 103 on the neuroscience of leadership, where we talk about how he traded his cubicle life for his coaching dream after his brother's 9-11 close call. What have you learned from your interaction with this phenomenal head coach that you think sets him apart from other coaches that you might have seen in your past? He's incredibly consistent. He has an even temperament. And obviously, he's a very passionate coach. You could see that on the sidelines, you know, how enthusiastic he is to congratulate his players for making a great play. But his messaging is very consistent. He's resilient. You know, we all go through adversity. And the way that Coach Sala approaches it is, his players are bought in because everybody understands what his messaging is. And that is to not give up and get better each and every day, constant improvement. And if you could go home and say, I got better today, there are better things ahead in that approach, right? So it's the continuous work. It's to understand that we will have brighter days. And you mentioned his situation about, he was in a cubicle working in another industry his brother had a close call, as you said, in the 9-11 situation. And then coach said, you know, listen, I'm going to go do what I love. I'm going to follow my passion. And that is coaching football. And if you look at his resume, it's an impressive resume, right? He played college, then he coached in college, then he got to the pros, had a steady climb, defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Then he gets hired by the New York Jets as the head coach. He's on his way and he's committed to doing a great job and we're all behind him. Definitely. Well, I love his passion. And with your experience with the Jets and maybe even other teams that you've worked with in organizations, what do you think is the best mindset for championship teams that we can all take away from your experience? So, yes, I've been very fortunate to be around a lot of great pros throughout this, this career that I'm very grateful to have had. It's togetherness, Andrea. And, and I, here's what I mean. It's it's taking care of the person next to you, coming into whatever the building is, whatever the arena is, and trying to make not only yourself better, but the person next to you better and watching their back and being accountable to them, right? And, and if it's, it's on the field, which I did not play, but I'm observing obviously very closely these teams, if, if the play is designed to go this way and you need to be here, make that block and the person can, that's you know, running the football can rely on you to make that block. And then in business, it's the same thing, being accountable to your teammates. If you say you're going to take care of that project by Wednesday at five, let's make sure at Wednesday at four that it's done. And we're not all perfect. We don't always execute to the, you know, to what we say we're going to do. But if the effort is there and the communication is there and you're letting people know a timeline and such, that's what I've seen. That's how I've seen successful cultures be built and, you know, great results happen. And it's nothing new, but it really, if you really tear it down, that's what it is. It's communication and selfless behavior and watching out for each other. Okay. Our podcast took a turn towards health and wellness in the past year. And I always want to emphasize the importance of the top health staples like sleep, exercise, and nutrition. And with such a busy schedule that you have, how do you create that balance for your mental health and well-being? 
I take it very seriously. I will tell you that. In fact, I will backtrack to my master's program, which I completed in uh, the summer of 16. And the thesis that I wrote with two other incredible people um, was on self-care and self-care in the workplace, meaning how do we take care of ourselves to best show up every day in our jobs? And we did a ton of research on it. We were very proud of it. But what I learned was that it's incredibly important as you articulated how you're resting, your exercise, your diet, especially during the season, if I may speak for myself right now, and those of us that around the National Football League that are in the middle of the season now, we have to be cognizant of, of how you know we're showing up. And if the fatigue is setting in, to perhaps back off an hour or, you know, rest, go in a little bit later, meditation, music, whatever that is for you to take care of yourself. I, I don't know what decompressing by watching your favorite show or whatever those mechanisms are that allow you to show up to your best of your ability every day. We can't ignore them. And, and listen, I'm not an expert. I am. I, I'm not a doctor. But I'm, I try to be very self-aware and a very demanding you know, part of our industry here to, to educate myself and, and take care of others around me. Like, hey, go take that half day. Hey, go. You know, that's fine. We'll take care of it. We'll get your back. Go home you know, and, and really be mindful of that. And I work with some amazing professionals that are also extremely mindful of how they're showing up. And we watch each other. Hey, you know, such and such is a little tired today. Chris, could you go, you know, maybe have a five minute conversation, just gauge what they're doing and make sure they're okay. And we make, try to make sure everybody is okay. Oh, there's nothing like someone having your back. Like I remember back in the day when I was a teacher, it was like you had to race to see who was going to stay at the school the longest. And there was no, you know, hey, you're not feeling well today. You go home early. I'll cover your back. There was nothing like that back then. So I love hearing that there's been a shift in the way that schools are working and sports organizations and even these trackers that we have these days that can track and and allow you to take naps because, you know, if I was to tell my dad back in the day, oh, I'm going to take a nap at two o'clock, he would say, you're so lazy. It wouldn't have gone over with his generation. But now it's okay to get a nap in in the middle of the day because these sleep experts are saying that nap is reducing your sleep debt and giving you stronger performance when you wake up the next day. So, you know, all these things that used to be considered lazy or not okay are now okay, which I, I think is incredible progress. I agree with you. And we have to be aware, you know, and, and again, it's, it's recognizing and being mindful of your own fatigue and what you need as an individual to restore yourself. You have to address that and you can't ignore that. And if that, you know, and, and again, it's different for all of us. Like you said, naps are very effective. I'll share a story, <clears throat> excuse me, from yesterday yeah. my, or two days ago. My son had his first home soccer game and it was, you know, a little bit later in the afternoon, but it's not ordinary for me to leave like that and go. I texted my boss and said, hey, you know, I got this. He said, go enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. That's exactly what we're talking about. And how do you think I felt? drive into my son's soccer game to meet my wife, to watch him in his first high school soccer game uh, on his home turf. It, it was ex extremely rewarding to experience. And it's a small thing, but that's somebody who gets it. That's somebody who, you know, gets it. And it's those things that energize you for the next day. 
And those, it's those examples that we have that we could do for other people, you know? Definitely, because leaders like that are the ones that you stick around for. You'll never forget that. And I'm sure your family wouldn't either. Exactly. Well, what are your final thoughts of the future of leadership, Chris? How you see yourself fitting into this vision and maybe how you want to encourage others to lead, like those that you're teaching at NYU to step up and find their passion, their true talent, put their voice out into the world like we're doing over here and and find their own individual and team success. What, what do you think would be your final thoughts here? I love this question. And I, I would say that you know, I'm going to go back to Covey and, and show them the end, right? It's you can be this, you can do that. You could be in this position. And it's not about, you know, as leaders, it, you know, we're not here to create followers. We're here to create more leaders. We're here to inspire people if they so choose to lead or go do what it is that is their passion. And ha as you said, have their voice and find what is their true calling and create avenues for them, whether that's a conversation or a help, helpful gesture or um, a word of inspiration, whatever it is that they need and, and paying attention to people and listening to them. And I guess the question, answering it directly, Andrea, is one person at a time, one student at a time, one coworker at a time, just having the attention, giving your attention to them and helping them in any way that they want and you can. And it's different, again, for every person and what they, their needs are and how they like to be communicated with. But it's something I, I try to be very good at and to the best of my ability, as I said earlier, for continuing my education and always being open to learn so I can be a vehicle for, for change and a vehicle for folks that want to get to where they want to go. Well, I want to thank you so much, Chris, for taking the time out of your busy schedule over there. First of all, to provide this content for people listening, it's applicable across different sectors. So not just sports, but business, and as well for anyone creating content out there to hear how you're doing it at the pro level. So thank you so much for finding us, for giving us validation that what we're doing over here is reaching people like you at the pro level. I'm confident that with the talent, the strong culture, community and leadership that you have behind your team, that this is the winning ingredients that you need over there for success. Thank you so much, Chris. You're very kind for having me as a guest. Thank you very much for those kind words. It has been my pleasure, Andrea, and I wish you all the luck with your podcast, your writing, and, and any endeavor in your future. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.